My name's Greg Knapp, and this is the Greg Knapp Experience. On the show today, Biden lied and we left Americans behind. Guess who just returned to Afghanistan? And here's a little hint, a friend of Osama bin Laden. <laughs> That's great. Another study on mask mandates that we're not supposed to talk about. Shh. And China's doing something that parents probably would love, teenagers would probably hate. All that coming up on the 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or workout called the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. Let's start with Biden breaking his promise. Oh, Greg, come on. He didn't break his promise. He was trying to get everybody out. What's wrong with you? Didn't you want this war over? Yes, I did. I didn't want it to end in a total disaster and leaving Americans behind. ABC News, Stephanopoulos, August the 19th, Stephanopoulos. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st? Biden, no. Americans should understand we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. Stephanopoulos. But if we don't, the troops will stay Biden. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. He did not want to answer that question. Snuffleupagus. <coughs> Sorry, Stephanopoulos. <laughs> that Sesame Street, Greg. I know, it's hard to remember. So Stephanopoulos says, and? And Biden says, if you're, and if you're an American, American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay to get them all out. That's what we would call a lie. Yes, because we're out and it's not happening. Um, so here's what we get from General Kenneth McKenzie. No American civilians were on the final five military flights out of Afghanistan before the deadline in Afghanistan. It's over now. We're done. We're out. We're gone. And guess what? Hundreds of Americans remain. And we didn't pull people out on the last military flights who were American citizens. The Secretary of State, Blinken, said, eh, about 300 Americans left who wanted to leave, but we weren't able to get out. Uh, now we don't know exactly how many, but in the very low hundreds. And according to the general, I believe our Department of State is going to work very hard to allow any American citizens that are left. And we think that citizens were brought out in a number. That, now it's very, very low, very low hundreds. I believe we're going to be able to get those people out. Really? How? Well, I think we're going to negotiate very hard and very aggressively to get our Afghan partners out, too. The military phase is over, but our desire to bring these people out remains as intense as it was before. Was it intense? The, the, the weapons have just shifted, if you will, from the military realm to the diplomatic realm. So let me translate. We're going to drop off a crate of a billion dollars on the tarmac in Kabul for the Taliban's and I'm sure they won't use it for terrorism or anything. And hopefully we'll get some of our people out. Maybe some weapons, too. We now negotiate with terrorists. Well, Greg, it's in that terror. That's kind of a... They're not really terrorists. They're freedom fighters. I mean, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, right? Um, I guess if you're a terrorist. The last U.S. troops are gone, too. Pentagon announced all of them are gone. The final C-17 took off at 3.29 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on the 30th. See, we got out early. <laughs> in addition to the people left behind in Kabul, Kabul is it Kabul? Kabul. I like, I'll go with Kabul. I like Kabul. Mackenzie said the U.S. also left behind equipment. Oh, yeah, really? You left behind some equipment? But don't worry, because the big equipment, like the C-RAM counter-artillery artillery and mortar system, you know, that we use to shoot down rockets, <laughs> well, that equipment's been disabled. Really? Well, guess what? I think they could probably put it back together. And most of this stuff works. How about 109 helicopters, including 33 Blackhawks, 65 fixed-wing aircraft, 
22,000 Humvees, 169 tanks, 64,000 machine guns, 16,000 night vision goggles, and, you know, they're getting rid of their AK-47s because now they got M-16s. 358,530 M-16s. And I, that's just some that's on this graphic of all the weapons that were left. Just some. Well, you know, that was for the Afghan military. Yeah, but they're not using it now because they ran away. Well, what are we supposed to do? And I told you there was a new guy back in Afghanistan after Biden told us that there were no Taliban, excuse me, no Al-Qaeda left in country. I don't know, Al-Qaeda, they're not there anymore. They're gone. Well, the security chief for Osama bin Laden at Tora Bora is now back. And there's a big videotape they released and he's waving to the crowd and he was escorted in by... ISIS-K? No. Al-Qaeda? No. The Taliban. Remember those guys that are on our side? The video is evidence Al-Qaeda commanders don't even worry about showing their face in public anymore because, after all, we gone. The Pentagon is very upset. Very, very upset about the horrible exit strategy, about people being left behind, about our people being killed by suicide bombers. Well, they're a little upset about that. But what they're really upset about, really upset, is a report from the Politico, which said the U.S. knew the approximate time and location of that suicide bombing that struck the airport's Abbey Gate and killed 13 of our servicemen and women. And we had a plan to close the gate to protect U.S. troops, but then we changed our mind. Why? According to the Pentagon spokesman, John Kirby, he wouldn't talk about it. He said the leak was unlawful. And therefore, he is not going to, I am absolutely not going to speak to a press story that was informed by the unlawful disclosure of classified information and sensitive deliberations here at the Pentagon. Just not going to do it. So it's true. Remember when, during the Trump administration, every leak was the highest form of patriotism and now it's this horrible, unlawful thing? Huh, that's really interesting. Politico reported, the U.S. military knew that Abbey Gate was the likely target in the early morning hours of Thursday, had a plan to close it, but the gate was left open to allow a British operation to evacuate people from the nearby Barron Hotel, and the bomb exploded around 6 p.m. They were going to close it in early afternoon. Well, look, that is a tough call. You don't want to leave the Brits swinging in the wind, but couldn't there have been a way that we just let the Brits in and close the gate? Well, it's an unlawful leak. We're not going to talk about it. Oh, and President Biden, Mr. Empathy, strikes again. You know, it's, it's bad enough to check your watch at, the, at Dover when the servicemen and women who died on your watch and because of you came home. But he's having some problems with the families of those dead servicemen and women. The family of one of the Marines. Slamming Biden's meeting with the Marines' pregnant widow said it was total disregard to the service member's death and that it was scripted. Uh, Jenna... McCullum, the pregnant wife of Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCullum, was the only one that met with President Biden because the rest of the family didn't want to. They were upset, according to the Washington Post. According to one of the sisters' reports of what happened, Biden spoke about the service of his veteran son, Bo Biden, and his death from brain cancer. He does this all the time. When is he going to stop doing this with, with military families who've, who've suffered the death of their loved ones in combat? Bo Biden died of brain cancer. That's a horrible thing. I don't want to take anything away from the grief of President Biden. It has nothing to do with military service. 
It is not the same thing. Why does he keep doing this? Well, because he expects you to then all of a sudden feel bad for him. It's all about him. No, it's about these people, and you are the reason that they are dead. So, according to the sister, you can't F this up as bad as he did and say you're sorry. This did not need to happen, and every life is on his hands. Well, how dare that, sister? I mean, she can't talk like that to the president. Isn't it the truth? Sometimes the truth really hurts. Oh, another thing going on in Afghanistan, because, you know, the Taliban is so nice. Did you know the Taliban banned music again? The Taliban doesn't like music. Any kind of music? The Taliban doesn't like music. They ban music. And now we find out Afghan folk singer Fawad Andarbi, and I'm sure you remember some of his hits. Usually late night, you can buy them, you know, $9.99. His folksy singing tunes, he was executed by the Taliban. According to his son, he was innocent, a singer who was only entertaining people. They shot him in the head on the farm. You know, this guy was probably some kind of crazy Western pop singer singing about sex and drugs and rock and roll. Actually, he played a bowed lute and sang traditional songs about Afghanistan and its people. Kill that guy! Shoot him in the head! Yes, the Taliban. It's not your father's Taliban. It's worse. How can it be worse? So the spokesperson said they would look into it. Yeah, spokesperson for the Taliban. We'll look into this shooting. Although we did ban music. But don't worry, because the United Nations is on the scene. The national, the United Nations special rapporteur on cultural rights. Did you know we had a rapporteur on cultural rights at the UN? Yes, well, he is on the scene and he tweeted, I express grave concern about reports of the terrible killing of singer hashtag Fawad Andarbi. We call on governments to demand the Taliban respect the hashtag human rights of hashtag artists. The UN put out not one, not two, but three hashtags to save the folk singers in Afghanistan. What else are they supposed to do? I mean, Biden could not screw this exit up more if he had tried to. He didn't try to, did he? I mean, that wasn't the plan, was it? I mean, it wasn't like, let's make it so bad that the people are so happy that we finally got out of Afghanistan that they won't care about anything else. That couldn't have possibly been the plan, right? I mean, see, I, I do think they believe that. I think they believe that we're going to forget. You know, listen, the election is when? A year away? November 2022? We've got the attention span of a goldfish in the United States of America. I do think that the Biden people believe we will forget everything that went on here and Biden will get credit for getting us out. He's the president that got us out and he got us out before September 11. So there you go. You think I'm kidding. Here's David Rothkopf in the liberal Atlantic. And here's what he's writing. Biden deserves credit, not blame. You see all the other people before Biden, you know, they all came to the conclusion we had to get out of Afghanistan, but they didn't have the courage to do it. Biden alone had the political courage to make it happen. I mean, sure, the Taliban takeover surprised the White House. Oh, sure, the early days could have been handled better. But it seems the critics are using this withdrawal to obscure the egregious mistakes made under previous administrations. Here's how he ends. In a stark change from recent years, an American leader has done the hard thing, the right thing set aside politics, and put both America's interests and values first. 
Really? So America's interests are to leave all that equipment behind, leave behind Americans, leave behind Afghan allies, have the worst exit in the history of warfare on the American side. Yes, worse than Vietnam. That's America's interest to lose our credibility with our allies overseas, to lose our credibility with any in-country allies we will have in any future war. All of that is in Americans' interest. Listen, I wanted us out of Afghanistan literally as soon as we killed Osama bin Laden. So I'm still on board that we should have gotten out. It's the way we got out and the fact that Biden didn't seem to care how bad it went. All he wanted was to get us out before September 11 so we could hit his timetable. That's a problem. And that is not something we should be excited about. The Atlantic. Oh, hey, what's going on with COVID? How about this? Another study about mass mandates finds... Doesn't look like they really work. This is the second one I brought you in like a week. University of Louisville. Mass mandates and use likely did not affect COVID-19 case growth. It's Dr. Damien Guerra. He said, essentially, we were looking at, did the theory of mask effectiveness hold up on a population-wide level, not just in some lab somewhere? And they used states without mask mandates as a control group. And here's what they found. It appears that mandates and typical mask use among the public have no substantial impact on COVID-19 growth. Wow. While growth rates did decline in states after mask mandates became effective, rates declined to a similar degree in states without mandates. Pretty interesting. Uh, his study coheres with earlier randomized control trials that did not find surgical masks, surgical masks to lower probability of COVID-19 infections. Okay. What they found was the aerosols can get through those surgical masks. He said, it is a time-dependent thing. So if you are just wearing it for a short period of time as you talk to someone for like, you know, a minute in the hallway, fine. If you're in a classroom all day, doesn't do it. He added, some studies have shown those N95 masks fitted properly are much more effective than the surgical or cloth masks at reducing virus spread, but quote, only when properly fitted and undamaged. By the way, right now the CDC says Americans should not buy those because they should be reserved for healthcare workers. So there's that. There's also problems with frequent masking. It hurts your face, more bacteria. You touch it a lot, it's a problem. Best methods for reducing spread of COVID-19. You ready? Vaccination, improved building ventilation, and freely available N95 type respirators for high risk individuals. Shh, not allowed to talk about that. Is that misinformation? Take this guy's thing off YouTube. That's why we have Rumble. And that's why we have Gab and Parler. And that's why we have it in a lot of different places for you to go. Spotify. I don't think they really listen to this all the way through. So. <laughs> Biden administration opens a civil rights probe into five Republican states on the ban of school mask mandates. Isn't that nice? So the White House that says to Governor DeSantis in Florida, how dare you tell the schools that they have to allow parents to decide if their kids wear masks and, and it should be a local decision. So therefore, we're going to do everything we can at the federal level to make you do what we want you to do. They're now doing this in Iowa, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Utah. And they're saying, oh, you know, this is because of civil rights. See, we, we have the power of the federal government to go after helping people with their civil rights. And you're hurting the civil rights of disabled children who need every other child to have a mask on. This is a total misconstruing of that law. There is nothing being done with that uh, ban of a mask mandate that is targeting disabled children. There is no proof that this is really even hurting disabled children. This is not even what the science says about 
keeping kids safe in school. We just went over that last mass mandate and it doesn't even talk about the problems, the emotional, the mental, the learning problems that go on when we're forcing these kids to do it. Kids don't even wear this mask correctly. They're touching it all the time. They're pulling it down, wearing it like a beard. They're blowing each other's faces. You know how I know? My wife's a first grade teacher. Kids are little. This is a total misusing of the civil rights law. And it's all done to pursue Biden's and the Democrats and the media's ideological crusade on masking. This is not discrimination against kids with disabilities. It's totally wrong. Oh, and speaking of kids in schools, how about the LA teacher union president? John Sexton has a great piece on this. Her name is Cicely Myart Cruz, president of the LA teachers union, really pushed to keep teachers from returning to school, had an interview in Los Angeles magazine, okay? Here's the stuff she says when they were asking her about, what about the learning loss of these kids that were out of school for a year? Oh, there is no such thing as learning loss. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. They learned critical thinking skills. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. Wow, you want to talk about way political that has nothing to do with learning how to read, write, and do arithmetic. And by the way, they did not learn the difference between a riot and a protest because I'm sure you wanted to teach them that what happened in all those Democrat cities in the so-called summer of love, that was just a protest. Mostly peaceful. Sure, things were burning down. People were getting beaten up. Some people were getting murdered. But, you know, it was mostly peaceful. But what happened on January 6th, now that was a coup. That was an insurrection. Even though if you look at the latest study that just came out on that, 95% of the people had nothing to do with any kind of organized event whatsoever. Now listen, what happened on January 6th when they got violent against the cops, when they broke into the building? Totally wrong, and they should be punished. But that's the coup? That's the insurrection? And what's happened and still happening in cities like Portland? No problem? That's just a mostly peaceful protest. This woman is in charge of the biggest teachers union in America? Hmm. She also posted an article to Facebook with a school superintendent in Chicago charged that parents pushing to get kids back in the classroom is fueled by white supremacist thinking. She said right on. And she went on to claim that she and other staffers were being stalked by wealthy white Middle Eastern parents. White wealthy Middle Eastern parents. Hmm. All right. And meanwhile, the CDC, with everything going on with COVID is trying to change how you talk with pronouns and grammar. Taxpayer-funded document. Are you ready? You can't say illegal alien, undocumented, or foreign-born. You have to say mixed-status households or non-U.S.-born persons. You can't say his or her. You have to say their. You can't say Hispanic persons uh, Hispanics, excuse me, or Native American for a group. You have to say Hispanic persons and American Indian person. Wait, American Indian? I thought that was the whole Christopher Columbus thing. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to call them Native American or indigenous, which really doesn't make sense because nobody was actually born in the United States of America if you go back far enough because there usually be no people here. So maybe you should call them first arrived. I go with that. There's more. This is just crazy. But we're almost out of time because I want to keep it short for you to do this in your workout or your drive to or from work. How about this, though, in Georgia? More than 70,000 of the 61,000 absentee ballots put in drop boxes for the November 2020 presidential election in DeKalb County, Georgia, were counted and certified by officials despite violating the chain of custody requirements, which means they should not have been counted. 
43,907, according to the Georgia State News. But you can't talk about that. Shh. Listen, I, I don't think that there's enough evidence that Trump won because of the vote fraud and the vote problems. But shouldn't we figure out what they are so that we don't have this problem next time? Shouldn't that be kind of an important thing? No, no, we, we can't look at You're just vote suppression. Um, vote suppression when all we want to do is make sure that one vote, one person. Because if somebody's illegal vote cancels out yours, that's voter suppression. Oh, 65% of Democrats now say the government should ban misinformation even if it suppresses the truth, according to the Pew Research Center. So we don't even all believe in the Bill of Rights anymore, do we? Not every American believes in freedom of speech or freedom of assembly or freedom of the press or the right to bear arms. What, what really holds us together if we don't believe that? And finally, how do you get kids to know how great America still is? And how important freedom is here in America that we should fight for. Maybe telling this story about what's going on in China. China is banning online gamers under the age of 18 from playing at all during the week. And one hour playtime between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Friday, weekends, and public holidays. See, they've had too much gaming and the kids are, you know... Their physical and mental and emotional health isn't as good, and they don't have enough time to do their studies. And so, one hour, 8 to 9 p.m. on Friday weekends and public holidays. How are they going to enforce that? Well, they're forcing the gaming companies to only let you play if you have your real name. But I'm sure they won't track you or, you know, do anything to you if you disobey the government of China. God bless America. My name is Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. <laughs>